Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. All right. So we're back for another bonus episode. We had just, you just listened to, or last week, you just listened to the end of phase two, which was Ant-Man. Um, we talked about some Paul Rudd. We talked about some Hank Pym returning. Hank Pym's back. He's back. Uh, he's really not back, back because he this pops in later on. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, so we are going to today talk about somebody who is synonymous with Marvel and comics and Marvel Studios. Pat's favorite favorite <laughs> comic book <laughs> guy. We're going to talk about some Stan Lee. Uh, it just it's only fair just to kind of give a brief kind of bio of him and and just you know where he's popped in and out and where he's from and all all that jazz so um this is again i had said last time the last couple episodes these are gonna be pat heavy this again is gonna be pat heavy because i don't know a lot about stanley so i'm gonna be learning some things pat pat heavy my name after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right pat so tell me about stanley all right so for those of you who are new stan lee is that guy that you see in every single one of the marvel studios films it doesn't have to be just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It could be everything going back to early 90s, the X-Men movies, the Spider-Man movies. He has a cameo in it. And the reason he has a cameo is it, in it is because he is one of the co-creators. Ego. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, not well, ego? I'm going to get to the ego later. <laughs> okay. <right>. But also ego. <laughs> <laughs> and not to be confused with the planet ego, which we will see in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right, come Stay on. Stay tuned now. for that episode. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so he's one of the co-creators of just about all of the most famous Marvel Comics characters. He, um, as we discussed in the Marvel Comics, History of Marvel Comics podcast episode, Stan is the nephew, cousin to Martin Goodman, the publisher of Atlas News, and who was the publisher of Timely Comics uh, before they became Marvel Comics. So Stan was brought on when he was 19, named editor by his uncle. Stan basically, you know, did everything he could to keep 
the comics coming. He was he was involved with Joe Simon and Jack Kirby on Captain America comics, a number of the other Marvel comics books that were published at the time. Um, it wasn't really until the 19, 1960s, 1961, when he was tasked by his Uncle Martin to create a team of superheroes, very similar to the Justice League of America, who bring forth, you know, a, a team with different powers and, and various aspects. And, you know, he was ready to quit comics. He had kind of floated around, kept the business alive, chasing trends of romance novels, horror books, cowboy books, whatever, just to kind of keep publishing something. And so the superhero boom had had died down a little bit. On DC side, the distinguished competitor, they were publishing Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and a handful of others, but it wasn't as you know big as as it had been in the past. And so in, in 1960, 1961, they had launched Justice League of America. It was gangbusters, to use a <laughs> turn-of-the-century phrase. Nice. Um, and so Marvel wanted to do something similar. So Stan launched Fantastic Four. And with Fantastic Four, that's when Marvel really came onto the scene as the superhero publishing company that we, we know today. So along with a handful of the other one, other artists and writers that we mentioned in all of our podcast episodes, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr., Don Heck, Larry Lieber, they helped create the modern Marvel universe. And characters include um, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, the Avengers, bringing everybody together, the X-Men, Black Panther, Daredevil, Scarlet Witch, Vision, whoever, you know, you name it. They all basically came about in this 60s period. So now, Stanley is revered, correct? Yes. But not by you. No. Okay. I mean, listen, what he did and no, how I, he created a, right. a universe, fantastic. That's I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I understand that. That's, that's, yeah. that's not a big deal. I'm uh, that, I'm gonna put that aside. I don't. I don't. That's great. He. I'm not taking any of that away from him. But I kind of. That's all you ever hear about, right? I kind of want to hear some of the other side. Just, okay. I want to just hear the other side of the story too, if 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 you could. Yes. So, first piece of it, you have to like understand how Marvel used to write comics, right? And before we get into you know people's feelings towards Stanley, you got to understand how they were structured, and they called it the Marvel way. And there are two types to, of ways to essentially make comic books you had the dc way or the standard way which is a full script so the writer would go and write out a script give it to the artist and the artist would draw from that script and in that script it would say page one six panels panel one you know in a detail with dialogue for whatever character is speaking the alternate to that was the marvel way and the marvel way usually had stanley and maybe a writer or stanley and maybe maybe an artist saying uh, writing out like a, a one-page summary of what was going to happen in this book. The artist would go and tell the story how they wanted to tell it, how they thought it was going to be told. Sometimes it didn't necessarily work the same way. But what happened was after it was drawn, you'd send it back to the writer or the editor and they'd fill in the bubbles with the dialogue. Okay. So it was very artist-driven storytelling. And they took this brief summary and then made it their own. Where on the other side, it was you took, you, you basically just drew what you were told to draw. Right. And Stanley did a very good job of promoting Marvel and promoting himself. And by that, I mean he, he 
in the back of letter columns. So comic books used to have letter columns where people would write in and say, you know, I love what you're doing. Love what you're, you know, I love these stories, love these characters, love to see more of this one. Did so-and-so really die? Are we ever going to see such and such back? And the editors or the writers would respond. And Marvel, because they were telling different kinds of stories, they were telling stories about what superheroes were doing outside of their costumes, how they were dealing with paying rent or fighting within their family or any of that stuff. It was hitting a new generation of readers. They were sick of just the superhero books that DC was putting out. So they were gravitating towards the Marvel books. And you know, credit to Stan Lee for knowing how to find a new audience and telling, tell more engaging stories. And he, you know, he became the face of Marvel. You know, he was, he would give everybody nicknames, slamming Stan Lee, jumping Jack Kirby, all this stuff. And, and they'd write he gave him himself a nickname. Yeah, he gave himself interesting. Nicknames. Yeah. So they'd write, you know, he'd, he'd answer these letters like that. And, okay. and sometimes he might make fun of like some more of the, the straight man aspects of Jack Kirby or Steve Dick, Dicko or a few of the other ones. And it's Stan was the face and people connected Marvel to Stan. And as much as the artists get credit, it was mostly Stan that was getting the credit and receiving the credit. <laughs> you know, was he perfect? No. You know, Stan, uh, Steve Ditko and, and Jack Kirby had some issues sure. with Stan Lee and especially the type of credit that he was taking versus the work that they were putting in and, and maybe the work credit that they weren't getting. Well, that's something you're always going to have too. Right. Yeah. So Steve Ditko left and went off to Charlton Comics, which is a publishing company it was based in Derby, Connecticut, Ooh. far from where we are. Yes. Recording this right now. And Jack Kirby actually went to DC and he launched the fourth world books, um, the new gods, a lot of the dark side storylines, stuff that you saw in the Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon, Justice League movie. Right. You know, they, they were looking for equal credit, equal pay, and they just, they felt mistreated by Marvel and they didn't feel like Stan Lee was standing up for him. And, you know, a lot of people, because of the cameos that Stan has in the movies, equate Stan as the sole creator of these characters. Well, yeah, it's, it's that's easy to do. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's unfortunate Jack Kirby passed away in the 90s, so he wasn't able to get these cameos, and, and he wasn't probably able, because he wasn't able to be at the premieres for some of these movies, you know, it's easy for him to... To, to kinda, take that, yeah. To take a step back. And, and it's unfortunate because what he did, you know, as artists, as... Art style is incredible. Um, so that's, you know, that's where people come from with um, Stan Lee. And, and, you know, eventually he, he worked himself up to publisher of Marvel. And he, you know, later became, as we mentioned in the Marvel Studios bonus episode, chairman emeritus of the company and able to have a hand in all of this stuff. And, and what he did was there was an agreement over his creations and he got he was supposed to have ten percent of movie TV proceeds. That's a lot of money. I mean, when you didn't think the movies were going to be big, probably not a lot of money. But as they started to blow up, that's a huge amount. So he settled with Marvel and and took on this role and basically just you know became a figurehead and, and a face for the company. What he did with the storytelling was good, you know, building this shared universe. But it is some of that like people. I think people easily kind of forget that he had issues with a few of these other creators that he worked yeah. with. And, and a few, a lot of them won't talk about it before Jack Kirby died. Um, you know, he was always upset that he never made amends with Stan because they were friends for a very long time. 
and it just didn't you know it didn't work out so it was sad to see how it split up right um but it is ego like you talk about well in, in the biz that's that's what happens but you know that's n- neither here nor there so why don't we talk about the cameos yes what are the ones that stand out? I'm going to tell you the, the the only one for me that stands out, but it, and it's not in that Marvel Cinematic Universe. But go ahead. The one that I liked the most and felt most appropriate was Fantastic Four. Okay, which the first one? Yeah, the first one, the, the one with Chris Evans. Okay, well, and I, um, Jessica Alba. He plays the mailman, and the mailman's a big character in oh, yeah. in the comic series. So he was that was actually an interesting way to bring him in here. He's like he was always a known character. He was this known like tertiary character that came in. He didn't have, he had like two lines in the movie. It was fun. Yeah. It was quick, but it was, um, you know, that one to me, it paid respect to him. Sure. It didn't take away from the movie itself. Now you say that and then you make me, you remind me of the FedEx one in Civil War, which I hate. Oh, I hate the FedEx one. The Tony Stank one. Tony Stank one's terrible. Eh, I'm not a fan of that. I, I prefer the ones where it's happening in a part of the movie that isn't important. Yeah, okay. And as much as they buried it at the very end of the movie, Rhodey and Tony are, and we're going to get to this in the next, and when we get to Civil War, but Rhodey and Tony are having a very emotional moment. And then there's a knock on the door and says, Tony Stank. Yeah. And that was part of Stan Lee asking for more lines. He's really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So he actually. He asks for more lines whenever he can. So, Come on. I, I don't, I'm going gonna, gonna to walk by myself, Tony. I'm going to walk by myself. And then here he comes. Yeah. Then he knocks on the door. Yeah. So it's, it's, that one drives me nuts. It's the ones that take you out of a movie. Of course. I think they all take you out. I think they all take you out. They're starting to more and more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, granted, now he obviously passed away two years ago, right? It, took it was 2008. It was 2018. Yeah. Um, so I know that he pre shot them all, but those are all past now, right? Right, I don't think they. I think he had shot one for Spider-Man: Far From Home, but they they didn't use it. Oh, that's probably good. Yeah. Um. So you're not going to see those anymore. Whether that's bad or good, that's whatever you want it to be. But I I agree with you. I, they always take me out of the movies, mm-hmm. and it's. I know they're fun to see. I know it's like, hey, I, I get that. But they became more of a mid-credit thing. Like just put it at after yeah. the movie. That that's fine. The only one I really like of his, and it's not. Um, MCU. It's his role in Mallrats. Okay. Because I actually I liked it. Yeah. And I like what he said. I like the whole thing. And to that point, I actually like the Captain Marvel one where he's, where he's, he's on the bus and he's reading the script. So those are the two that always to me that I'm always like, okay, those are fine. Yeah. So everything else, I, it always pulls me right out. And I and it's it's I guess counter counterproductive to me watching the movie. But that's me. Yeah. No, I think, you know, if you're going to a movie, you're sitting in the theater, the lights are off, you want to sit in this world for two hours, two and a yeah. half hours. You don't want to be like, oh man, that's that same guy. You want to look for it. You don't want to look for it. And they, like Iron Man, I think they, the first Iron Man, the 2008 one, did it well where he just did that quick turn. It's like, oh, hey, Hef. You know, like it's Hugh Hefner. Right, right. And then got back to business. Right. It didn't take away from the plot, it yeah. didn't happen during a crucial time. Um, you know, they put him in the the very end or the credit scene of Ant-Man where he's the bartender. Right. That, that when Luis is telling the story, but he's telling a story and there's a lot of fast dialogue at that time. And then it's you, your brain stops for a second. It's like, Oh, it's Stan Lee. It's like, Oh wait, what just happened? Yeah. And so, you know, to have these happen all the time, it's like, get it. It's, it's part of what they did. My major problem mm-hmm. with these cameos 
isn't when they happen in the movie. It's that they happen in his reaction to filmmaking process in general. Stan used to release these short YouTube videos called Stan's Rants. And he would go on these rants about various topics. It's kind of like a, anybody watched Family Guy, Peter's What Really Grinds My Gears type type thing. Okay. In one of those Stan's rants, he says, why am I going to sit there for 15 minutes to watch the credits? Like, why do I care who a best boy is or who nice. the lead gaffer is or who any of this stuff is? It's like, you make most of your money <laughs> off of these movies. <laughs> these people make those movies. Yeah. To, to not only, like, it's one thing if you sit there and like, man, do I got to really see all of this stuff just to get to the post credit scene? That's fine. But don't say it out loud. Yeah. Especially when you, you know, your characters are famous because of below the line talent on movie sets. Yeah. And that was the one that really soured me on Stanley. Okay. Is that line when, you know. He's an older man though at this point, right? He's like in his 90s. When that he's was doing 10 that. years ago. It was 80s when he was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I, I I understand what you're saying. It's just, just when when you as you get older, you get set in your ways, but and you get you start you know. I, my favorite. I'm gonna again. I'm gonna jump IPs here. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the TV show Mad Men. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think we've talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh Bruce Davidson uh, plays an older man who starts dating Christina Hendricks' character, uh, the secretary, the buxom secretary mm-hmm. that everyone loves in the show, um, and. Uh, he said they have a fight and he says to her, he's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to be stubborn. It makes me feel old. I think that's a great line because that's what happens when you get old. Mm-hmm. You just get stubborn about things and you just have to, you have to just constantly remind yourself, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm 45, out you're 32. Two. We have, even though we're 13 years apart, we have different experiences. Right. Your experience is stuff that I've already experienced. And I sometimes, you know, it's not so much of an age gap, but if right. you were like 22, you're, you know, like I have to remember different. what it's like, but, you know, I'd be like, oh, wait a minute. That's, I, I, I understand. So, that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, it, there is still, there's, you can only think of that the way I'm thinking to a point. Right. And then after that. But when you're, you're a like, public figure. No, I agree. And yeah. you make your money off of these movies. Respect the talent. Absolutely. And, and I mean, always respect the talent, but absolutely respect the talent out loud. But what's funny is you just spent, you just spent five to 10 minutes talking about his issues when he was younger in right. terms of Marvel and taking credit and just kind mm-hmm. of the way he thinks it, it, it almost like, well, you're kind of sort of repeating yeah. yourself later, but like what, this isn't to denigrate him. No, uh, no, we no. just and, want, and, but, but it, to be fair, when we talk about anybody like this, you got to show both sides. You can't just, right, it absolutely. can't just be a glowing and it can't just be all negative. So no, absolutely. No. And, and Stan was a, a really solid business mind. He knew how to engage with his audience. He knew how to, you know, make it fun to be against the competition. You know, even before the Pepsi Coke Wars, even before McDonald's Burger King, it was Marvel versus DC. DC. Yep. And it was Stan Lee versus DC. And it was, you know, he would call them the distinguished competition. He would never call them DC. <laughs> everybody knew who he was talking about or the other guys or anything. So he, you know, never used their name, but he knew how to poke fun of them. So that was a really, what he did and how he built it basically out of nothing was incredible. When but did, he did oh, have sorry. help. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. When did he leave Marvel Comics? Like, when was he not involved with the... He left the everyday of Marvel Comics. Oh, when he went to do the studios? No, he went off on his own. He would launch, like, his own line of comics. Really? Wow. Yeah, he went and launched his own line. Uh, they didn't really take off. I think he was seeing it as a, another way to, because, you know, as, as we saw with independent publishers, again, go back to the Marvel Comics episode... 
the IP for these characters is so valuable. Oh, absolutely. And so he went off and tried to do his own thing and it just didn't really work out. And, you know, there was a stint where he wrote, um, what if Stan Lee created the DC universe, which is a a fun kind of take. It was one off that like one off Uh, issue. So it wasn't a long thing. It was just kind of like, yeah, what if he told the story back? Like Batman was a mutant or, mm -hmm. you know, a handful of other things. So, that was kind of his his take on on that. I believe it was in the 80s that he kind of stepped away. Early 90s, he had stepped away to go do his own thing, and then they brought him back on as the movies were gaining in popularity. Now, is there a noticeable difference to Marvel Comics when he is involved and when or when he is not involved? Is there a? Di- I know he created all these things. I get that, but uh, nowadays they kind of lose some of that. You know the the what was happening in their normal life right side of it you know it's always been a part of peter parker's life spider-man's life and it's you know x-men are always dealing with politics and registration and and, um but i think you know they focused a lot more on the superhero aspects of it okay like there was uh and we talk about matt fraction as a as a writer he wrote hawkeye iron man thor in 2000, I believe it was 2011, 2012, he launched a, the new Hawkeye series. And that was revolutionary because he kind of brought Marvel back to origins. He told it in the Marvel way, mm-hmm. which they don't tell it that way anymore. There's a lot of full scripting now, but he basically would hand his, um, like a plot to his right to his artist, David Aja, and then just run with it. Mm-hmm. And it was really about, you know, what does an Avenger do on his day off? And so that that kind of was a lot of people were excited to see that because it was a little bit more of a return. It was it was probably weighted like 80 20 on what he does on his day off. So you lost a lot of the, the superhero side of it. But you you know, where the Stanley one was probably like 50 50, 60 gotcha. 40, something like that. So, you know, comics evolve with the time. Sure. There's, you know, what he did early on is the crossovers and, you know, helped build a universe with characters could, who could just like pop in and pop out of other characters' books because they're all written and drawn by the same guys. Right. In the same same bullpen. So nowadays, you know, there's it's a big deal if there's a crossover. You know, oh my God, Iron Man's appearing in the book or, you know, whatever it is. You know, so it, there's a little bit more... If a, a Thor writer wants to go and tell his own Thor story, might not be as impacted by what's happening in the rest of the universe. Right. And that's that's kind of industry standard with a lot of stuff is, you know, maybe you're telling on on the DC side, maybe you're telling a Batman book, but Batman's involved in a big crossover. You could just tell your story. You don't have to tie it in Mm -hmm. unless you really need to tie it in. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. So that's it for this bonus episode. Unless you had more. No, that's it. No recommended reading. No, I don't have anything on this Excellent. one. All right. So uh, we hope you enjoy this. I'll learn a little bit about the creator of all this stuff who had help, Stanley. Um, we're going to return next week for another bonus episode uh, where we will be talking about the, I guess, the, I don't know, not the idea or just... Secret identities. Yeah, we're talking and how about... how they impacted the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And how, they're, how they're disappearing. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about that next week. And then after that, we'll be kicking off phase three with... Captain America Civil War. Ah, Avengers 2.5. All right, we'll we'll see you then. We'll see you until next week. Way to hook them in, Mike. We'll see you next week for our bonus app. Bye. (laughs) Thank you.